0: Good morning, I'm Marie Allison, the Director of Outreach and Connection here at Faith Covenant Church. It's wonderful to be with all of you today and those of you who are worshiping with us online as well. We've been in a sermon series called Holy Habits, Five Habits for Spiritual Growth. And today we're talking about holy habit number three, reaching consistently. Well, I want to start off this morning with a story. It was a beautiful spring day, one of the first. And so we opened our front door so that the warm air could come in through the screen door. My husband was down in the basement studying. My two little girls were at school. I was putting away laundry. And my two-year-old son was, where was he? Eric, where are you? Eric, where are you, Lon? Have you seen Eric? I called down to the basement. He calls up, no, isn't he with you? No. We began to search the house. We searched everywhere for this little active two-year-old boy. Then we saw that the screen door had not really been fully closed. And from that vantage point, we could see a ball out by the road. So we took our search outside. As we called for him, the neighbors came to help. They also began to look for Eric. One of our neighbors got in his car and began to drive around the block. Finally, as anxiety rose, we called the police. Well, an officer came right away, but his preliminary questions seemed to take forever. And then he said, do you mind if I look in your house? Well, we had searched everywhere, so we thought it was futile, but we invited him in. And it wasn't too long before he said, "He called us into the family room and said, is this the little boy you're looking for? You see, something unique had happened on that day. A two-year-old boy had fallen asleep. He was wearing a navy blue shirt, navy blue overalls, and he fell asleep on a navy blue couch. <laughs> he became almost invisible. Well, well, that is a funny story and even a very embarrassing story for me. We all know what it's like to lose someone, whether it's losing a child at an amusement park, getting disoriented while we're taking a hike in the woods, or losing our way on a country road when we are in search of a gas station because our tank is on empty. We all know that anxiety that begins to come up in us when we are lost. Well, today, people are lost. The things that have normally anchored us and given us a foundation are all being shaken. Our government, our economy, our health, our work, our school, all of those things that were normal are not normal anymore. We are facing turmoil on every side. We are being battered. We are being shaken. Well, this is not news to any of you. You are all experiencing it in your own lives. We are lost. Well, lost is what describes me when I was in high school. I was already leaning towards that insecurity that high schoolers have, and I was beginning to be rebellious against my parents, as high schoolers often are. But then my parents got divorced, and that caused me to question the purpose and the meaning of life. It caused me to question the moral things that they had taught me, and it caused me to distrust God, who I saw as being responsible for my parents' divorce, for allowing that to happen. I didn't know where to turn. I was lost. Have you had a time in your life like that? We all have. Do you know someone who is lost right now? Well, fortunately, the Bible has something to say to us about being lost. Please turn with me to Luke 15, the passage that Kurt Jarrus read for us earlier today. I'm going to start in verse 3. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not repent. Christ is telling a story that describes his mission statement. He describes it in great clarity in Luke 19.10, where he says this, Speaking of himself, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Well, what does this passage tell us about Jesus? He has a heart for the lost. Christ came to earth because he was on a rescue mission. He had one singular purpose. Seek and save the lost. Seek and save the lost. Seek and save the lost. Jesus was so intent on seeking and saving the lost that in Luke 9, 1 and 2, we see that he sends out the 12. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God. Then, a few chapters later, Luke 10, we see that he sends out 72 disciples, and he tells them to proclaim the kingdom of God. Well, what is the kingdom of God? Broadly speaking, the kingdom of God is the rule of an eternal, sovereign God over all the universe. More narrowly speaking, the kingdom of God is the spiritual rule over the hearts and lives of those who are willingly who willingly submit to his authority. Frederick Biekner, an ordained pastor and, and writer who was born in 1926 and is still alive today, says this, The kingdom of God is what we all of us hunger for above all other things, even when we don't know its name or realize that it's what we're starving to death for The kingdom of God is where our best dreams come from and our truest prayers. We glimpse it at those moments when we find ourselves being better than we are and wiser than we know. We catch sight of it when at some moment of crisis a strength seems to come to us that is greater than our own strength. The kingdom of God is where we belong. It is home. And whether we realize it or not, I think we are all of us homesick for it. Well, in the kingdom of God, we have a perfect, benevolent ruler. He's also called our heavenly father. The kingdom of God is the home that we are all homesick for. Seek and save the lost. Seek and save the lost. Seek and save the lost. Bring them safely home. Well, in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, we see that Jesus not only sent out the 12 and the 72, but he sends out you and I. Matthew 28 says this, the last words that Christ spoke while he was here on earth, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Christ has commissioned you and I, to seek and save the lost. He has put us on his rescue team. Well, some of you may be thinking, I don't think people want to hear about God these days. And that is not the case. I'm gonna tell you why. Because people are looking for God because God is looking for people. People are looking for God because God is looking for people and He is revealing Himself to them. Similar to the Luke passage in Matthew 9 35 through 38. I love this passage because it, share, it tells us the heart of Christ. It tells us that He's going through the villages and He's proclaiming the kingdom. And then it says this, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Brothers and sisters, people are harassed and helpless. They are like sheep without a shepherd. There's nothing wrong with the harvest. And we are the answer to the Lord's prayer. Five years ago, I met a gentleman named Bill Swick. And he shared this lesson with me that I will never forget. He said, if you stay prepared, God will set spiritual appointments for you and then he shared this story he said I was on the phone with a customer service representative and it took time for her screen to load up the information that we needed to resolve the problem that I was having so he said during this time we chit-chatted and we developed quite a rapport well at the end of our conversation I sensed the Lord asking me to say What are your spiritual beliefs? Well, there was a long silence on the other end of the phone, and Bill thought that he had offended this woman. He thought maybe she even hung up. And then after quite some time, he heard some sobbing, some gentle sobs. And then when the woman was able to speak, she said, You know, I was at a funeral yesterday, and I've been wondering, what is the meaning of life? And Bill was able to share the Lord with her over the phone. As you and I stay prepared, God will set spiritual appointments for us. He will send us to his lost sheep. So what does it mean to share our faith? This is a definition written by uh, my husband, my late husband, Dr. Lon Allison, with a group of covenant pastors many, many years ago. To share our faith, is to cooperate with God and others to lovingly bring a person one step at a time closer to Christ. Well, there are several encouraging things about this definition. First, it tells us that God's spirit is involved. We're not alone when it comes to sharing our faith with others. God has gone before us He has set spiritual appointments for us. He prepares our encounters, and he reveals himself to people. Second, other people are involved. At different times in a person's life, God will use different people to plant seeds of faith in their heart. He may use a praying grandparent, a Christian co-worker, a high school friend, a believing neighbor. All of these people may not know each other, but they are part of God's search and rescue team. 1 Corinthians 3, 5, and 6 gives us this idea. The Apostle Paul says, what, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered, but it is God who is making it grow. Third, it's our job to just take a person one step closer to Christ. We often think that people come to the Lord in one giant step when we share the gospel and they pray the prayer of salvation, but in reality, they've taken a lot of small steps towards the Lord, and everyone's journey is different, but it might look like this. A person is going their own way, not really even thinking about God. Something in their life happens, and they begin to search for the meaning of life. They meet a Christian, and this Christian has a peace about them and a contentment that attracts this seeking person to them. And then they might open the Bible and begin to see that the Bible has something to say to them about life today. And then they become aware of the gospel, And then they know that they need to respond. Our job is just to bring them one step closer. Once we understand this process of how people come to know the Lord, we can relax and trust God. Well, there's three elements to sharing our faith. We can pray for people and care for people and share with people. And it kind of helps to rhyme those words and then you'll memorize them forever and ever. Prayer, care, and share. Say it with me out loud. Prayer, care, and share. Prayer, care, and share. So let's talk about prayer. Before I talk to people about God, I talk to God about people. That's Bill Bright, the founder of what's now called CREW. Praying for people to come to know the Lord is an essential element in our seeking to bring them to Christ. Prayer breaks down spiritual strongholds, and strongholds are things that we rely on other than God. Prayer opens people's hearts to the gospel. It gives us the courage to speak and the right words to say, and it gives us opportunities to share as the Lord leads So you'll see in your bulletin today a little card. It says, Prayer, Care, Share. This is a place for you to write down the people that you'd like to pray for. You're going to pray for your friends, your relatives, your acquaintances and work associates, and your neighbors. I encourage you to tape this on the inside of your Bible On the opposite side is basically an outline from the sermon today so that you'll always be refreshed on what it means to share your faith. We are encouraging everyone to participate in a 90-day spiritual challenge. That's where you get together with two or three other people who are the same gender and you check in with each other on how your daily devotions are going. You share with each other what God is saying to you from the word. So I want to encourage you to also, in your daily devotions, include praying for people to come to know the Lord at least one day a week. And in your covenant um, relationship during the 90-day challenge, you can ask the people in your group to pray for someone on your list who is especially on your heart. And and you, in turn, can pray for someone on their list who is especially on their hearts. Next, we care for people. Matthew 5, 16b says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Well, Faith Covenant is an amazing, caring Christian community. And I just trust that the things I see you do for each other here in the church, you're also doing for those outside of the church. So with that said, some simple things that we can do to show we care, Stop and talk to our neighbors. That's probably the most important thing we can do. Stop and talk to our neighbors. Host neighborhood get-togethers. Offer to help when needed. At work, instead of eating lunch alone, sit with a coworker and get to know them. Be the first to welcome a new coworker or to welcome a new neighbor in your community. um, bring food to the food pantry and volunteer in the community. And, of course, we know that being in community goes two ways. Let people also help you. We pray for people and we care for people. And, finally, we share with people. We share their story. We share our story. And we share God's story. We share our story by question asking and listening, by finding those common bonds that give us a a tender heart towards each other and a heartfelt connection. We pray, we care, we share. Um, If you are ever tempted as I am to to edit out the God part of your life when talking to a non-Christian friend, I encourage you not to. While sometimes it's appropriate, It's also very good for our non-Christian friends to hear the current struggle that we're trusting God for, um, a Bible verse that has encouraged us, or an answer to prayer that we've received. Well, next, we want to share our stories. We share their story, and now we want to share our stories. The brief, well-told story of how Christ's love became real gives our listeners a vivid picture of new life in Christ. So this is the story of how you came to know the Lord and you can share it with acquaintances. You can share it with friends and relatives who maybe never knew how you came into a personal relationship with Christ. This is what happened with my friend Robin. My friend Robin and I were getting reacquainted over the phone. We'd gone to junior high together and then high school, and over the phone she said, you know, in junior high, you weren't religious, and then in high school, you were. What happened? Well, I was able to tell her how lost I was feeling, and then I said, I told her this, my mom forced me to go to a Christian youth group. The kids there were all super friendly, and they invited me to go on a weekend retreat. And at that retreat, the youth pastor told us this, that Jesus Christ, who was God, lived a perfect life and died on the cross to pay the penalty for all of our wrongs. He did this because he loved us. And I told my friend Robin that that weekend I accepted Jesus Christ into my life to be my Lord and my Savior. And I said, You know what, I was a different person after that. I didn't feel as lost. Over time, I had more love and more joy and more peace in my life. I told her my life hasn't been perfect. I've not been perfect. I still have struggles, but God is with me in everything. Your personal testimony, brothers and sisters, is worth taking time to write out and to put to memory. We want to be able to tell the story of how we came to the Lord in a moment's notice. Finally, we want to be able to share God's story. I don't know about you, but when I go to share the Lord with someone, I get really nervous and I tend to forget the gospel that I really know so well. So I think that it's good to keep in mind three elements of the gospel. There is good news. There is sad news. And there's great news. There's good news, there's sad news, and there's great news. So the good news, God loves you and created you to be in a loving relationship with him. The sad news, our sinful behavior separates us from God who is holy. Sin includes the wrong things we do and the right things that we don't do. The great news, Jesus Christ, who is God, paid the penalty for our sins so that we don't have to. He did this so that through him we could be forgiven and have a relationship with God now and forever. Three simple elements of the gospel that we can easily memorize. And then if someone is ready to to come to the Lord, we can pray a simple prayer with them. I'm sorry, thank you, and please. I'm sorry, Lord, for the wrong things I have done. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. Please come into my life as my Lord and Savior. Amen. In closing, it's always scary to share our faith. Years ago, they invented a new ride at Great America called the Giant Drop. It was 277 feet high. That is 25 stories high. And they crank you up nice and slow so that the tension and the fear is beginning to rise. They give you a lot of time to think things like, when was the last time that an engineer checked this machine? (laughs) (laughs) And what does it feel like to splat to the ground from this great height. And did I tell my family I want them to sing I'll Fly Away at My Funeral? (laughs) And then in just a moment, when you don't think you can breathe or hang on to the nervousness anymore, they go whoosh, and you drop to the ground. And you say, oh, that was so much fun. Let's do it again. (laughs) Well, evangelism is like that. Sharing our faith is scary fun. It's never completely without fear, but it is always scary fun. Well, God has commissioned you to be on his search and rescue team. He's called you to seek and save the lost and to bring them home. He has called you to engage in holy habit number three, reaching consistently. The Holy Spirit has gone ahead of you. The Holy Spirit has prepared spiritual appointments for you. Amen and amen.